Welcome to Path of a Green Witch podcast. In this episode, I want to talk a little bit more about the three women of color who were involved in the Salem witch trials. But before I get into that, I want to say a quick thank you to the newest supporter of Path of a Green Witch podcast, Ray. Thank you so much for your support. The Black Witches of Salem. Three enslaved women were among the approximately 155 people accused of witchcraft in the infamous Salem Witch Trials of 1692. Two of the enslaved women were identified in the court records as black, the third, the legendary Tituba, was classified as Indian. The race of Tituba has been disputed for 150 years. Since 1692, Tituba's ethnicity has evolved from Indian to half African and half Indian into a fully enslaved African woman. The two women accused of witchcraft who, unlike Tituba, were actually black, were both female servants in Puritan households, Candy and Mary Black. Candy, originally from Barbados, resided in Salem Town with her enslaver, Margaret Hawks. When questioned, Candy revealed to the courts that it was her white enslaver, Margaret, who had made her a witch and taught her the craft. After being asked if her enslaver made her into a witch, Candy replied, Yes, in this country, Margaret give Candy witch. Candy then went on to detail how Margaret made her into a witch by bringing up the devil's book and had her mark in it. In her description, Candy stated, she bring book and pen and ink, make candy write in it, further drawing a comparison between her enslaver and the devil. When asked if she was a witch, Candy replied, Candy no witch in her country, Candy's mother no witch, Candy no witch Barbados. The curious magistrates asked Candy to produce the poppets that she claimed she used to torment people. Accompanied by a court-appointed deputy, she was escorted home and returned with rags of cloth, a piece of cheese, some grass, and a handkerchief tied with several knots. Deciding to experiment with Candy's tools of trade, the magistrates burned one of the rags, and allegedly, a burn appeared on the hand of one of the afflicted girls. Two more choked as if drowning when another rag was placed under water. Two indictments were handed down against Candy, and she was jailed. Later, she was found not guilty and released. Mary Black's enslaver was Nathaniel Putnam, of Salem Village. Mary was accused of witchcraft on April 21, 1692. Putnam was a respected leader and member in Salem Village whose younger nephews and cousins were avid witchcraft accusers. Mary Black's examination was requested by the Reverend Samuel Paris. At her examination, which was held on April 22nd, she was accused by several of the afflicted girls. Though she was pressed to admit that she was a witch, she steadfastly refused, stating, I hurt nobody. Who doth? I do not know. She was indicted and imprisoned, but not tried. She was cleared by proclamation on January 11, 1693. Her enslaver, Nathaniel Putnam, paid her jail fees and took her back into his house. This article was published by the Weekly Challenger on January 21, 2016. The article gives an overview of the part 
part that Mary Black and Candy played in the Salem Witch Trials. I think it's interesting how Candy turned it around and said that she was not a witch in Barbados and that if there was evidence to prove that she was a witch here, it was only because the person who claimed to own her had made her a witch. Candy felt strongly that the document that proved that Margaret Hawks owned her was also proof of Margaret Hawks' involvement in witchcraft. And I agree that to believe that you own another person is something deeply sinister and it would seem to some like maybe a form of dark magic. Especially when you draw the parallel to some Christian views that there's a devil's book and that there are some witchcraft connections between the devil's book and your name being in it and this document proving that Margaret Hawks owned candy. It seems to all kind of blend together and I can see how the people who might have been in the courtroom at the time who had documents proving that they owned other people's souls might have felt very seen when candy starts talking about this and drawing the parallel between those documents and the devil's book. I think Mary Black's case is also interesting, mostly because in the end, after Mary had spent nearly nine months in jail, Nathaniel Putnam, who owned her, paid the jail fees and took her back into his home. So he clearly didn't believe that she was actually a witch or that she was involved in anything sinister, because why would he take her back into his home after all of that? But going back to Candy's case for a moment, I think it's also interesting that Candy admitted to being involved in witchcraft here in America and that she actually went back and produced the evidence of her involvement in witchcraft. So not only did she point out the pen and ink where Margaret Hawks had forced her to write her name acknowledging ownership, but she also produced poppets and rags which she said were used in spells. The interesting thing about Mary Black's case is that she denied any involvement in witchcraft, but when she was asked to unpin and repin her collar, the afflicted girls responded in a way that made it seem as though she had some kind of supernatural control over them. Mary basically ignored their antics and insisted on her innocence. Mary was put on trial in January 1693 and no one appeared against her so she was released. Some people believe that her owner, Nathaniel Putnam, was too well respected for anyone to accuse his servant of wrongdoing and like I said in the end he paid her jailing fees and took her back into his household. And some people think Mary's accusers may have been retaliating against Nathaniel Putnam for having defended Rebecca Nurse. People are trying to understand why someone like Mary Black who had no social power and didn't own any land why she might be targeted during the Salem witch trials because generally speaking the people who were targeted were people who owned something so that their accusers had something to gain by targeting them. But targeting a slave, it just seems kind of strange because you don't gain anything if the enslaved person is found guilty. There's nothing for anyone to gain. Okay, so I hope this clears up a little bit of the confusion surrounding who the three women of color were during the Salem witch trials. So a total of 155 people 
people were accused of witchcraft during the Salem witch trials, and Tituba actually might be the most famous person involved in the Salem witch trials, but she is often described as a black woman, and she's not, but there were two black women who were accused of witchcraft in the Salem witch trials, and their names were Candy and Mary Black. Candy admitted to being a witch, but she implicated her enslaver, which made it very awkward for everyone, and her charges were swept under the rug. Mary Black maintained her innocence until the end, and her charges were also dismissed, and she was taken back into the home of her enslaver. As I mentioned before, Tituba actually stayed in prison for a long time until her jail fees were paid by someone, and then she was released. She was released to the person who paid her jail fees. Thank you very much for taking a little bit of time to learn more about the three women of color who were involved in the Salem witch trials. And thank you again to Ray, the newest supporter of Path of a Green Witch podcast. Thank you again to Nicole Mims, Jacqueline Hatfield, and John Shields for being longtime supporters of Path of a Green Witch podcast. I really, really appreciate your support. If you you want to become a supporter of Path of a Green Witch podcast, go to anchor.fm slash andrea9559 slash support. Listener support means the world to me. Thank you so much for listening.